Thank you for downloading this podcast from Pardes North America. This episode of Pardes from Jerusalem features Rabbi Dr. Mish Hammer Kasoy on Parshat Masay. For the latest episode of Pardes from Jerusalem, please visit elmod.pardes.org. And now, Rabbi Alex Israel and Rabbi Dr. Mish Hammer Kasoy. Welcome to Pardes from Jerusalem. My name is Alex Israel. And my name is Mish Hammer Kasoy. And we are delighted to be with you this week to study and discuss uh, Parshat Mas'e. One thing I'm really excited about is actually for the first time in a long time, we are going to be reading the same, the people in in abroad who are not in the land of Israel are reading Matot Mas'e. So that means they've got a doozy of a Parsha. It's a long reading, but... Finally, we're reading the same thing, um, and we're back together. It's actually crazy that the Israel and outside Israel have been at a dissonance for so long. So <laughs> we're very excited to be united again. And um, Parashat Masay is, is, is fascinating because, um, as its name indicates, a Masah is a journey. Some people might have visited Israel under the Masah banner. The word Masah means a journey. And our opening chapter of Mas'e deals with literally all the stops, all the stations which we took from Egypt all the way to the land of Israel. And this is a parasha which has us poised on the border. We talk about even the mitzvah to conquer the land and then the notion of dividing up the land. Special cities that are going to be made, cities for the Levites and priests, and also refuge cities which serve to establish law and order in the country. And there's a great sense of anticipation in this parsha. One might even say that ever since Abraham had been promised the land, the land, there's this notion of a promised land and a land of promise. And there's this sense that we're going to create a society that isn't going to some way be different to other societies. Maybe I even might use a word exemplary, a light to the nations we sometimes talk about. Ambitious. Ambitious. It's ambitious, right? Because nation building is really messy <laughs> and and um and and we're thinking about the torah here is really been thinking about this for a long time what could this country what could it be so uh mish i wanted to ask you what's on your mind when you're what what attracts your attention when you're thinking about this society that we want to build and what are some of the issues that you see teased out through the parsha oh gosh alex thanks for asking you know i really I love this Parsha for the way it lays out what what becomes a vision for all of the world, I guess, of equality and equity, that we're going to divide up the land into portions where everyone gets equal amounts and it's going to, and everyone has their portion and we can sit each each person under her gethin or under, under her fig tree or under her grape tree. And it's really a utopian vision. And it's so in contrast with what we actually are looking at in the world around us. It can be really, just really depressing. Um, and I was... Same in contrast with what we read later on in the Bible. <laughs> where, all, where, you know, the best laid plans and all of that, you know. Yes, so it's a vision, a utopian vision, and at the same time, we're listening on the radio to what's happening even the in the global north in the rich industrialized countries in terms of the heat wave that's meeting Europe and 
and the environmental catastrophe that's, and if that's what's facing Europe, imagine what's going to face the global south, the less developed countries, the places where they don't have so much, and and how is that all going to work? Um, and so I guess that's what I'm sort of thinking about as I come to the Parsha. And I, there's a Gemara that has preoccupied me for a long time. And at the beginning, it feels kind of oblique. What does it have to do with our Parsha? But if you hold on with me, we'll bring, we will get back to this question of, of equality and equity and what's mine is mine um, and how it connects to the Parsha. Well, I'm so, excited to hear. <laughs> well, where's the Gemara, Nish? You know, I think to know this Gemara, you have to start with, you probably know this one, about uh, in Bava Metzia, about if two people are traveling on a journey far from civilization and one guy has a pitcher of water and that um and there's enough then they both should drink but if only but if there's only enough for one of them to drink you come first the person who owns the pitcher of the water drinks the water and lets the other person die ben patora says well actually it's well, a discussion right so ben patora says how could i ever you know make a choice so we both drink and we both die, right? And it's Rabbi Akiva who becomes the halacha. That's right. And what does Rabbi Akiva say? And he says, he says, your brother only gets to live if he lives with you. And so that is to say, you live first. And it's crazy. Your life comes first before somebody else's life. And I think it's striking how that becomes a principle through through our Jewish tradition that, I mean, it's not coincidental that Ben Petura struggles with that principle right from the beginning. How can we, you know, we're supposed to be a loving kindness religion and uh, how could we decide to put our own life first? But that's the, that's Rebbe Akiva's claim, your own oxygen mask first, and then you can help others. Yeah, like on the airplanes, right? <laughs> It's hard to hear that line when they say, if you've got somebody with you, don't put it on your child first, put it on you first. But we totally understand on an airplane, right? Because, of course, while you're trying to help your child, you pass out and then everybody dies. Right. So if you don't take care of yourself, then you can't really be of any help to other people. And that permission to take care of yourself first so that you can be help of other people. But, you know, when I when I teach this Gemara in my social justice classes, I te we I think about it in Europe. You know, it's not, water water is so relevant today especially with the heat wave, but the but but I think it's about more than just it's just a metaphor. And um if you imagine yourself in Europe in 1938 and I've got enough money to buy a boat ticket out for myself and for my and my children and I have enough and I have to decide either to save for the bribe when I get to Ellis Island in case I have lice or to take my aunt with me. And which one should I do? Wow. And I just think, oh my God, you know, so many people had to make that actual call. And we know people who send their children out in the kinder transport and they remain behind. Oh my gosh, these are such hard stunt. So I... The, we have the same question about cities, which I guess could be also countries. And this Gemara comes up in Nadarim. Um, it's actually, it's cited in the middle of a discussion about the beginning of the Matot Parsha, about what is considered uh, a physical affliction that a husband would be able to 
uh, annul his wife's vow. Mm. Um, that's the context in which this is cited, but it's really should be studied on its own context for its own self. Um, there it says, um, I'll read it to you, um, Rabbi Yossi, uh, I'm sorry, with respect to a well which belongs to the townspeople. Okay, so it's a commonly owned well. And when it, and there, and it's a limited resource, of course, a scarce resource. So when there's a question of their lives and the lives of strangers, the people in the city drink all the water and they let the, their own life takes precedence and they let the people that are outside the city die. So let's just, I just want to make sure I understand. So we, we've got a city and we've got a spring or a well and um, there's enough water for our city and another city also needs water. So what we say is like like the case of the two people in the desert, we provide the water for ourselves and the other city will have to do whatever. They have to fend for themselves, but we need to take care of our own as far as our drinking needs. That's right. But then the, the sages go on to say, but if there's enough for you to have water and for your animals to have water, but then the neighbors won't get to eat and drink at all, you have to let the, the animals die. And let and give the neighbors to drink. Okay. Of course, if there's enough for the neighbors and for the cattle, um, then you give to the. But then there won't be enough for the cattle of strangers. Of course, your cattle get to drink, but their cattle are going to starve, or you can have a barbecue. <laughs> and um, and then if it's once everybody's got once everyone's animals are taken care of, you can start to worry about laundry. Laundry is important. Laundry is important. That's and not important. as important as the lives of animals and not as important as the lives of people. Exactly. That's what the sages say. And now we're going to have a shocking opinion exactly. of Rabbi Yossi. Yossi jumps in here and he says, their laundry takes precedence over the lives of strangers. So that is to say that I'm going to say, sorry, guys, I can't give you a glass of water because I haven't done my laundry yet this week. I don't think it means, by the way, that like you can do your laundry, not like not like we do in our house, a load of laundry every day, but we're assuming, you know, once every month. And that becomes clear in the Gemara as the Gemara goes on to say um, that laundry really, I, and you, if you don't do your laundry, you'll go crazy. It will it ultimately start to threaten your lives. Well, that's, well, that's it, because the Gemara is really troubled. How can you say, we'll let them start, uh, you know, dehydrate to death? because we need to wash our clothes. So the Gemara is really troubled by it. And they say, well, Rabbi Yossi must be saying that um, there's some mortal danger. If we don't launder our clothes, we're going to get sick. And that sick is gonna, sickness is going to kill our children and kill us eventually. Exactly. Or we're going to go, or it's going to affect our you know, mental health and we're going to all go mad. So in that way, really, the question of laundry is a question of life. Exactly. But... The, what I love about the Gemara is it doesn't go there immediately. It says, Isi ben Yehuda doesn't come to the Beit Midrash of Rabbi Yossi, uh, of Rabbi Yossi for three days. And he is, he just, like, he learns this Torah and he doesn't get to the conclusion that you just came to right away, Alex. When he was like, so offensive. And it's kind of like you would expect your part A's teacher to do, you know, your part A students to do. They'd be like, I can't learn from that teacher anymore. Once I heard what they think, they're totally immoral. I can't learn with him. And so you see that. So you're saying Isi Ben Yehuda says, I'm just not going to Rabbi Yossi's Bet Midrash because a guy who says that my laundry comes before your life is just an immoral individual. And I'm I certainly don't want to try to get God's truth from him. What does he know? And I actually once had that experience. I had, I was in a, I used to go to a shear of a rabbi and consistently he talked mm. 
disrespectfully to his students. And I stopped studying with him. I couldn't study, study with him anymore. Of course. But luckily, Vardimus, the son of Yerbi Yossi, saw him, in the, saw him in the marketplace and he says, hey, I haven't seen you around Shear for a while. You know, why, why aren't you showing up to school? And, and, and Isi Ben Yehuda says, seeing that I do not understand your father, where your father's coming from, how could I possibly attend? And, and Vardimus says, what's, what's bothering you? Maybe I can fix it. And then he fixes it actually from our Parsha. He, he says, that their cities will be for them, the Levites, to dwell in, including the the courtyards um, and the suburbs, for their animals and for their property and for all chayatam, which the Koran Chumash at least translates all of their beasts. But Vardima says, wait a minute, what do you mean? Beasts. You've already said behemtam, what's chayatam? Exactly. Right, you already said they're animals. Now you're saying they're beasts. What's the difference between animals and beasts? So obviously, behema is all the animals. The chayatam is chayutam, all of their living needs in the expansive sense of living needs. And that is a way of saying you actually have to take care of not just enough to get through the day, but actually to think about your long-term needs as a community when you're deciding um, when you're deciding what you have to give. And I, I read this Gemara, it has, for me, this double-edged sword. Because on the one hand, when I read, t- I send it, my students to Chavruta to read it, they all come back, like how many people were offended by Rebbe Yossi? And everyone is totally with uh, Isi Ben Yehuda. You know, it's like, I'm not going to class, that's totally totally immoral. And yet then when I asked them, how many of you bought a coffee at Starbucks this week? They also all bought a car, bought a, they don't live, we don't, it's not, I'm not accusing my students. None of us can live that way uh, because really what the Torah is saying, you can use it for your long-term needs, but you can, once you've done your laundry, you have to, you have to, you can only do your laundry. It doesn't say, and Starbucks. Yeah. It doesn't say, and... No, it's really the question about, you know, we live on such high standard of living that when we reach out and we feel sympathy with, I don't know, people working in sweatshops in uh, Taiwan or the people of Ukraine, we can't even imagine how, you know, how little they have. I remember once I visited... Cape Town when they were in the middle of a drought and they were all <laughs> disturbed by the fact they couldn't fill their swimming pools. And we who don't have swimming pools <laughs> were like, okay, it's not a big deal. But for them, not to have a swimming pool seemed to be quite a quite a, a knock. And it raises the question of, you know, what is essential? What is a luxury? We cause so much waste from our Starbucks, from our takeout coffee culture. And then and we see that just as normal. I get my coffee on the way to work and we don't think about the costs to the planet or to maybe other cultures. Do you have a way of like, of working this? Wait, can I hurt it? Can I make it like a little more complex for you? Also add one more piece, which is what exactly, because you know, the halacha, did I mention that the halacha is like Rebbe Yossi? We paskin like him. That is to say that we take care of our long-term needs, our laundry, before we worry about other people's short-term needs. But now we have to decide what what counts as your laundry. Right, right. And so I think we can all I can you can 
you understand me when I say, okay, the dentist counts as my long-term needs because you can easily die from a tooth infection that's not taken care of. I know people that have. But what if I said to you, the Museum of Modern Art? What if I said to you, the the a year at Mahom Pardes? I mean, it's clear to me that if you don't spend some time learning your tradition, right, that uh, Sitz Eliezer says, Mazon um, Ruhani, is not less important than than mazon gufani, that our spiritual nourish, nourishment is at the same level as our physical nourishment. And I and to imagine a world, because you can easily, when we know there's a billion people in the world who are living on a dollar or less a day. Right. My my niece recently told me that she's because uh, one of the areas is clothing has become so cheap, mm-hmm. frequently at the expense to people in the third world and to the expense of the resources of the world, the water and and then the waste. Um, my niece told me recently that she stopped buying clothes completely, and that she only buy, buys clothes now from secondhand shops. It's a thing. It's not unusual. And and and, but that's a really interesting line where you say, okay, we have a need for fashion. We have a need for you know. We, thank God, most of us are not on a level that we actually are short of clothing. <laughs> <laughs> Two seasons ago, or ten seasons ago, tote will do quite fine. So we're not even that level. But she says, okay, you know, I do want to be fashionable, but I can also be fashionable without affecting the environment. Maybe that maybe that's sort of an articulation of something which minimizes our laundry. <laughs> At the expense of other people's costs, right? And that maybe maybe that's an interesting or elegant way of trying to balance. Uh, I don't know if you have other other ways because I, you know, it's it's very difficult to think. You know, we find it difficult to decide between what is our needs and what are our luxuries. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's really hard to make that decision. I don't know if I have an answer. I think. There's a, there's a machlok between the Orcha Shulchan and the Pichai Tshuva. Should it be that you have that um, when we're thinking about how to spend our, let's say, 10% of tzedakah that we're giving, money that we're giving to tzedakah is that that we give um, one of the positions out there is that everyone gets an apple. And after everyone gets an apple, we can talk about everyone getting a chicken. And when everyone has had chicken, then we can talk about anyone getting a high school education. And after everyone has a high school education, we can talk about, you know, then I'll, then I can give my relatives a college education and then, you know, and so on. So that we basically more or less keeping it equal. I think that's one way to think about it. I actually think that we maybe don't have to make the choice in our world. I think that, that the, the mirror that I hear held up to me when I think about Rebiosi is that we don't live our lives that way. That if we would just get a little bit closer to, let's say, giving, now giving 10% of your money to tzedakah is really not easy. I would say like right up front, it's not easy to give 10% of your money to tzedakah. But and that's what the Shulchan Aruch says should be for an average person, someone of, of average income. Now, I've learned that Anyone who has $61,000 in equity is in the top decil, the top 10% of the world in economy. So like when we think about ourselves, are we really, I mean, I don't know who thinks of themselves. I look, we're in Jewish education, you and me. So we don't think of ourselves as wealthy. We're not, but, but, but compared we, to the world we are, but compared to the world we are. So if we are sort of thinking, if, if all of us would really give the 10% and maybe we should really be giving the 20% because we really are wealthy, we don't have to limit ourselves. We might even still with that, be able to take inexpensive and simple vacations. Um, and, 
And we don't have to, I think that we actually live in a world with so much plenty, Alex, that I don't think we have to choose between my laundry and their lives, but that we should get closer to choosing between my laundry, between like being satisfied with laundry and not also Starbucks. What I hear you saying, Amish, is that at the very least, we shouldn't let some of the uh, societies and individuals who are needy in the planet be out of sight and out of mind. And it's a matter of being mindful that, you know, even as we live on pretty high standards of living, even, you know, in, on any on any objective level, and we live with quite a number of luxuries, we should really be thinking that there are other people who, you know, we're doing our laundry, they don't have water, and, um, and, and think to ourselves how we can make that a, more of a priority. Absolutely. And when I think about that, uh, in this Parsha, it's like when I am revisiting, of course, this is a favorite Gemara of mine, but revisiting, revisiting it in the context of this Parsha really brings home to me because the Parsha starts off with this vision of everyone having equal portions. Let's divide up. Everyone's going to have their portion. And then it says like this, the Levites, you've got your portion and you use it up for all that you've got. And that's one verse, use it up for all you've got and know that it's also got to be what you've got to use 42 of them as cities of refuge, which means that you have to take everyone in. And they're not, those are not Levites. That is about making space for the people that really, I mean, it's not just talk about NIMBY, you know, not in my backyard. If there's anything you don't want, it's to turn your, your Levite, your Levitical cities into a place for accidental murder, for negligent murderers to come right. and live with you. But that is the requirement that at the, on the one hand, with one side of our mouth, we say, this land is for you to use for all of your needs. And at the same time, you got to bring in those manslaughterers and and make sure that they are rehabilitated on your watch. That's a really fabulous perspective. Wow! So the same the same Levite cities, which are we've just said, you have the right to look after your own needs. They're looking after other people. I had a different association. We're reading this in the in the three weeks, the period where we're remembering uh, the destruction of Jerusalem, and I was thinking about the fact that. Jerusalem as a society is meant to become Sion b'mishpati pader v'shaveh Zion is redeemed through through righteousness and justice. And and in fact, the the the, the verse that we're going to read um, in the Haftarah next week is, is talks about Jerusalem being a place of bribery where politicians put their needs first before other people. And I was once uh, talking about that to some of my students, and I was saying, you know, we've still got a lot to learn about how we can provide for the poor in society. And it was interesting that one of my students, an, an adult, turned around to me and said, you know, Israel's, in a, Israel's doing a lot. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, I'm just so proud of the aspects of the welfare state that we have, that, that we are able to provide, make sure that nobody in our society, Israel, has a public health system. Israel has even recently expanded a dental health to all children, I, I don't think under the age of 12 or under the age of 16, that they can get proper dental att attention. They were listing a whole series of things, the way that Israel deals with their water resources and reuses water. And she said, I wonder whether Isaiah would look at our society, because I was bemoaning the inequalities within Israeli society. And she was saying, compared to a lot of other even Western societies, Israel has put a lot of things into 
in, into that that will enable there to be, you know, important resources made available to people of little means. Uh, and, and for sure, we have a long way to go, and we're always looking to make our to, to perfect our society. But it's very interesting to think about what systemic institutions are in place to make sure that the people who are more vulnerable and needy get the things that they need. Yes. Thank God I've been learning about the elderly this month and, you know, the situation with Social Security and Bituach Lumi, both here and in America. It's uh, the chances, even a hundred years ago, of dying in a poorhouse when you were old was were very, very high. So I think that we it's there's no time better to be human than now and that we have so much to be proud of. And I'm 100% sure that if Ishayahu were here today, he would be telling us that we can do better. And I know that we can do better and that we will do better. Um, and uh, we shall not rest on our laurels. Fantastic. On that, when that's uh, food for thought. Shabbat shalom to all of our listeners. Thank you very much for learning with us. And I hope we've given you something to think about, especially during this period of the three weeks. Thank you very much. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of Pardes North America. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Spotify for the latest episode of Pardes from Jerusalem. 